I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Luke is the Gospel that gives us the fullest account of the birth of Christ. And in chapter 2, it also then moves on to talk about how uh, Jesus was circumcised and also that he was presented at the temple. And when he was presented, there were a couple of elderly people there, and they were very much affected when they were able to see that Jesus was born. We're going to use specifically the example of Anna, and then our sermon is Knowing Jesus in 2024. So we begin with verse 21 of chapter 2 in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus, or excuse me, and at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came to the Spirit, into the temple, in the Spirit, into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him 
to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On New Year's Eve, often people reflect on the previous year. And I think frequently they make a couple of observations. Looking back, one thing is that life is short. And probably the second thing is that life is uncertain. I was reminded of that this past week, even as I was preparing the message for this evening. Thursday evening, I received a text from Lynette, the daughter of Kathy Williams, informing me that she had passed away a little after 6 p.m. The very next day, on Friday evening, less than 24 hours later, I received a text from Aaron Bilesma sharing the news that his grandma, Pat Schultz, also went to her eternal home to be with her Lord and Savior. And of course, I couldn't help but reflect on the meaning and the significance of life, looking back and also looking ahead to the new year. I came to the conviction that as we celebrate the new year, our greatest Desire as believers is to know Jesus Christ and to approach life with the conviction that we all stated together in question and answer one of the Heidelberg Catechism, that I am not my own, but that I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That truly is what we believe as Christians. And so with that in mind, I decided that I would take a little closer focus in our passage, specifically verses 36 through 38, the account of Anna. And I believe she often is overlooked due to it's brevity. We meet her in the narrative when baby Jesus is being dedicated in the temple. And she is described in three very short verses. She's not even quoted as Simeon is quoted. It would be, in fact, easy for her to be overshadowed as we would highlight Simeon. But tonight, I think it's, it's fitting that we look at this simple and devoted follower of Christ. Bible scholars and commentators say that Anna was, as it indicates, 84 years old, married for seven years when her husband passed away. So she was left as a widow, perhaps in her early 20s already. And the most striking statement, I think, is found in the last part of verse 37, where it says, She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer 
night and day. And I just had to pause and reflect on that. That's approximately 60 years, three quarters of her life. She spent a majority of her time doing the same thing, which was fasting and praying and receiving God's word. Now, if you were to say that to your average person, they would say, well, wasn't there something more productive that she could have been doing? Well, obviously, God had called her into that specific ministry, and she was obedient to God's calling. And as you look deeper into the text, you realize that a life that is devoted to God is actually much more valuable than a life that's merely dedicated to worldly pursuits. In the Bible, we know that facts were confirmed by the testimony of two or more people. So we see both Simeon and Anna, both of them were the witnesses to verify the reality of the birth of Jesus as the Messiah. So indeed, her life was very well spent. So we're going to just look at a few important points. First, devotion to God is what life is truly about. Just think about it. What else truly matters in a person's life? I think back to the time as Jesus was being presented for that dedication. The Pharisees and the scribes were busy with their religious duties. So on that particular day, perhaps those leaders were scurrying around the temple, going about performing their rituals, oblivious to the baby Jesus. And most likely they took pride in the fact, all my life I've kept God's commandments, and yet they missed the Messiah. They were more devoted to the specific procedures involved in their religion than to truly seeing God in human flesh. Then there were the Sadducees. They had a lot of political clout. So they felt that that was what truly mattered. And so they focused on the present, the reality of, of doing the most, making the most out of life. And so life after death really didn't count. So everything that matters is in the here and now. Here these leaders pass perhaps within yards of this little child and Anna as they were debating the latest political thing that was happening in Rome. And of course, there were those merchants around the temple making money, selling the approved animals for sacrifice and making money. Perhaps they also were in earshot of the carpenter and his wife and the little baby Jesus. And they thought they had life the best leaving a nice inheritance and some money for their children. Yet they also missed the Savior that day. So in contrast to all of these, Anna knew that devotion to God is what truly matters in life. 
She recognized the child, the baby Jesus, as God's promised Messiah. And in that fact alone, she was wiser than all of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Devotion to God is what really matters in life. Without it, we really are not living life the way God wants us to. We must then also see, secondly, everyone has the opportunity to know Jesus. No matter what your station in life, you can devote yourself to the Lord. And that makes whoever you are, whatever you do, count in light of eternity. Again, look at Anna. In that time, she had a lot of things that were against her. She was a woman. There was a fair amount of discrimination back then. We know that the rabbis wouldn't approve of women being instructed on the same level in the Torah than the boys or the men. In fact, they regarded their minds as not quite appropriate or adaptive to that kind of investigation. According to Alfred Endersheim, sketches of Jewish social life they were restricted in the, the temple in the area of the women's court. They couldn't come in when there were ceremonies that were being performed. And according to the historian Josephus, women and slaves were not allowed to give evidence within a court of law. And yet the Lord includes Anna's testimony in Scripture. God is not a respecter of someone's influence on a worldly perspective. He's pleased with those who are devoted to him. She was a widow. It says she was widowed at an early age. She could have been bitter against God, saying, why, God, did you put me in this situation? She could have complained of the fact that her best friend and confidant was taken away from her. She didn't have a lot of opportunities either in that culture as a widow. Often they were taken advantage of. So no doubt she experienced difficulties in her life, and yet she did not turn her back on God. In Psalm 68 verse 5 it says that God has a special concern for orphans and for widows. A father of the fatherless, a judge for the widows, is God in his holy habitation. So Anna took refuge under God's protective care, and that drove her deeper in her devotion to him. Anna was also elderly. Now, of course, in our society, we can see that sometimes elderly are not respected on the level that they should be. Sometimes they're subject to certain kinds of abuse with salespeople, those with scams. Sometimes people think, well, they can't take care of themselves. But God does not view elderly from that perspective, and neither should we. In Psalm 116, it says, one who is older and devoted to God, that their death is precious in his sight. 
So the point is, no matter what your position, no matter what your station, male or female, young or old, rich or poor, you have the opportunity to know and to be devoted to Jesus. Third, devotion to God may take many different forms, yet it usually involves three things, worship, witness, and waiting. So devotion to God requires worship. Now we need to admit up front, Anna most likely did not live in the temple. It says that she was there day and night. The word that's translated in the original language said she was serving. So it had this whole idea or nuance of worshipful service dedicated to God. We're told specifically that it took the form of fasting and prayer. And that was common in the Jewish culture. A fast would often last from sunrise to sunset, sometimes a bit longer. It was often done on the Day of Atonement. Or it was done in times of personal distress or national distress. Anna's worship also took the form of prayer. He enabled her to take large blocks of time to be a prayer warrior. It was an essential part of her ministry. She would intercede on the behalf of others and also give praise and thanks to God. She would seek God and commune with him. So we see her ministry in worship through fasting and prayer. That was her specific gift. But I want to encourage each one of you as well to be intentional as, as you also worship, as you have your personal devotions, as you spend time with the Lord. Make sure that you do that every day. Read his word. Meditate, reflect, even sing songs of praise. And definitely pray. So devotion involves worship. It also involves a witness. In verse 38, Anna couldn't keep it to herself. It says, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Basically, what that tells me is if your cup is full to the brim, it's going to overflow. It's going to spill out to others. If your heart is full of gratitude and thankfulness to God who sent his son to save you from your sin, people around you will know about it. You can't hide it. I know sometimes people say, well, I'm just shy and I don't really talk about it. Uh, people can see it because I, I live out my faith. Now that's true, but I think a very important part of our Christian witness is also talking about it, sharing with others what truly is important to us. Because we talk about the things that we love and care for. Have you ever been around a Raiders fanatic? That's all they can talk about. Did you see the game last night? Or have you been around someone who's in love?
just freshly fallen in love? What do they talk about? We talk about what is special to us. So when we have those opportunities, we need to share what truly is important to us, our Savior Jesus Christ. The reason Anna was pouring forth her witness about the Lord Jesus was because she spent time with him. She knew him. She had private devotion. Devotion to God involves waiting. Not only Simeon and Anna, but others also. We were, were told in chapter 2, verse 25 and 28, were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. That means they were aware of the fact that the Messiah was coming. And they were looking for his presence. It wasn't just something of a nationalistic perspective, but from a spiritual pers perspective. It spoke of the people's desire to acknowledge God's redemption, which he had promised many years in the coming Messiah and now was bringing to fruition for his people. Theologian J.C. Riley observes that these people lived in what would be considered a wicked city, and yet they were not carried away by the flood of worldliness and self-righteousness around them. They were not infected by the carnal expectations of a worldly Messiah in which many of the Jews indulged. They lived in the faith of their patriarchs and their prophets that the coming Redeemer would bring a time of holiness and righteousness and that his principal victory would be over sin and the devil. So devotion to God is also devotion to Jesus Christ. Anna was devoted to God. The instant that she saw the baby Jesus, she thanked God. And she began to speak of Jesus to all the people around them who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. We need to remember that as well. God the Son and God the Father are joined together. They're the same. They both make up the triune God. So we also witness to Jesus Christ in our lives. And he truly is God. As we look ahead to this new year, 2024, I want to encourage each one of you to know Jesus, to trust Jesus, to be committed to him, and to look to him for his salvation and the joy and the hope that we have because of what he has accomplished. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we also have opportunities to know Christ through our own time of worship 
as we read your word, as we pray, as we meditate, as we sing songs, as we gather for special times as the body of Christ. And that is our witness that we do not find our essence and our importance, our value in the things of this world. We do not find it in building an empire for ourselves, but rather we find it in the fact that we are not our own, that we belong to Jesus Christ in body and in soul. And so as we look forward, we realize that you will return as our Lord and Savior, that you have prepared for us our eternal home. And even though life is short and unpredictable, we can move forward in confidence, joyful in the fact that Jesus Christ has already won the victory over sin and evil and death. And so, Lord, as we, your people, move forward in our journey of life, we pray that we would be faithful and devoted, that we would also desire to be present and to share the joy of our faith with others. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.